When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is sponsored by TBR, Tailored Book Recommendations. Stuck at home with nothing to read and unable to browse the bookstore? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. And TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie, too. Sign up only takes a few minutes. You answer a couple of questions about what you like to read and what you're looking for. You link up your Goodreads profile if you have one, and you're done. And then TBR subscribers are matched to bibliologists based on their requests. So let's say you love thrillers but want to read more romance, or you're looking for poetry by writers of color, and maybe a little space opera. We've got someone who knows just what to choose for you. Recommendations only is only $15 a quarter or $49 a year, and hardcovers are $75 per quarter plus $4.79 in shipping, and annual subscribers receive free shipping. And recommendations only is available worldwide. So if you're international, that is not a problem. And hardcovers are available in the U.S. You can find out all of the details at mytbr.co and sign up there today. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 77 and we're recording on April 17th. I'm Jen Northington. I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we are dreamcasting some author collaborations. It was so hard to choose. I know. So, so hard. It really was. I was like, oh, this is going to be so easy. And then like four hours later, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I was literally sitting on my couch because my... Most of my bookshelves are in my living room, and I was, like, sitting on my couch just staring at my bookshelves, like, (laughs) who should I choose? Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny, too, because when we initially had this idea, we said, like, either collaborations or collaborations you would like to see, and I just completely forgot about the pre-existing collaborations part. I went straight to dreamcasting. I don't even know why. I, that's just what happened to me. I think dreamcasting so. is just more fun. Like, it is. Okay, this it is, is already done and that's cool, but now I want to be in control of making right. these things <laughs> happen. Good point. You make a good point. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, before we start talking about news, I'm going to tell you about our sponsor, which is Race the Sands by Sarah Beth Durst. Once a celebrated monster rider in the deadly Bakaran races, Tamara's second career as a professional monster trainer is in danger after an accident damages her reputation and leaves her nearly broke. She needs money to save her daughter, and that means she must once again find a winning monster and a rider willing to trust her. Rhea sees monster racing as a chance to escape a cruel fiancé, and her determination impresses Tamara despite her inexperience. 
Tamara and Rhea will work harder than they ever thought possible to win and discover the secret that makes a strange new monster so special. This sounds amazing. This is best-selling author Sarah Beth Durst, who's returning with this brand new standalone adult fantasy novel for those of you who are needing a break from series. And I personally love books about mothers because we don't get a lot of those. Um, so again, if that sounds like your thing, check out Race the Sands by Sarah Beth Durst. I... I'm so excited for this book. I have it on my TBR. Ooh. And also, I I think I've talked about on this show before about her um, Queens of Renthia series, which I love and which also has like a, you know, I think like maybe late 20s, early 30s something mom as one of the protagonists and is oh. so great. Yeah, she I love that she writes characters that we just it's just true like of ages and social positions that we just don't see all that often so that's so cool that's so nice yeah. to hear i'm it's looking good forward to this one i love monster books yeah okay well i'm gonna kick us off with some news and i will take every opportunity possible to talk up one of my faves akwekia messi who won the 2019 otherwise award which hooray yes Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all of the excitement all of the excitement i will take it um so the otherwise award in case that doesn't sound familiar to you we talked about this on a previous episode it used to be known as the james tiptree uh junior literary award so this is its new name that's what akwaki and messi won and they won for Freshwater, which is a book I have talked up and have forced myself to stop talking about because I need to <laughs> move on to new books. But I love to see Freshwater get recognition because it's just such a singular, unique story. And I was completely swept away by it. And this is like a double wind because they also won a 2019, they got on the 2019 honor list for their YA debut pet, which of course I also read and very much loved. It was a charming, really powerful book and it's so short. And by the way, Akwaki Umezi is so prolific because there is mm -hmm. another book coming out by them that I actually have on my TBR. So huge congrats, Akwaki Umezi. And then there's also the full honor list because Pet wasn't the only one that got that placed. Um, so you can check out the full list of honorees for the 2019 Otherwise Award. There are books including Meet Me in the Future by Cameron Hurley. There is Mary Robinette Cole's The Calculating Stars. So many books that we've talked about. I think The Lonesome Bodybuilder is one that got a oh, lot of yeah. conversation on Book Riot in general. Mm -hmm. The Deep by Rivers. I'm basically reading this list. The Deep by River <laughs> Solomon. I'm going to leave it there. You can check out the full list yourself. We're going to leave the link in the show notes. Yeah, that was a great thing to see, and it is a really interesting honor list also. There's some on here that I have not even heard of, and I'm definitely going to have to go dive into and learn more about because 
when you've got winners like that and also companion books that I have read and loved, it's just like, I'm clearly going to love all of these. Like, probably that's yes. what's going to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I imagine. So I also need to add some of these to my TBR because yeah. it's been a it's been coming down the pipeline, especially The Deep. I still haven't read The Deep. Oh, man, Sharifa. I mean, it's heavy, though. I like, know. That's why. Yeah. it's You have to be in the right headspace, I think, for that one. So Later this year, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or when you're just feeling like a cathartic sob fest, like that could also be a moment. There's always it a time for a cathartic sob fest. <laughs> right? Oh, Lord. Okay, let's see. So where do I want to go? Oh, I have a little follow-up to do that is related to awards. I had mentioned that the Kitschies shortlists were announced on a previous show. And just after that show was recorded, they announced the winners. So... I'm going to drop the link to the winners list in the show notes. And I will just say this is short because I haven't read any of the winners. I like I have Mm -hmm. not read them. So I don't really have much to say other than I probably should. Like that's probably a thing (laughs) that I should do. So so yeah. So the winners included The Firestarters by Jen Carson for Best Novel, Jelly by Claire Reese for Debut, and then Yoko Ogawa's The Memory Police for Cover Art. So yeah, that link will be in the show notes for you. Um, I want to talk about Dune. So, so obviously, I have been thinking about this because, you know, we recorded an entire special book club episode about Dune uh, with myself and Asma Zahanak Khan, who is an amazing writer, who's also a huge fan of the book. And I will link to that in the show notes in case you missed it. But I've been, I have a lot of complicated feelings about this. I'm curious. I'm also afraid. Like, there's all, I don't love some of the casting. So I have a lot of, I have a huge mix of feelings about this. But there's a, a new Vanity Fair piece that is an exclusive look behind the scenes and includes lots of photos from the cast and then also some really interesting pieces of information, and that's what I want to focus on, which is that they've split the book, and it's the first book in a series, mind you, but it is a very long book. They've split it into two movies, Mm -hmm. which I don't think I knew. Like, they're going to do it in two parts, which I think is a very smart call because these books have so much going on in them. The first one has so much world building. There's so many characters. There's really complicated political situation. And it spans like quite a long chunk of the main character Paul Atreides' life. So I think it makes perfect sense and was a very smart move to split it into two movies. Now, whether or not they'll do a good job with that split is question mark, but I am happy to see that. And then the other thing that got me really excited, which I can't remember if I knew this or not, but I don't recall it. And I got really excited when I saw this. So the character Liet Kynes, who's really important to the plot in a lot of ways, is a, like, I'm pretty sure he's described as blonde in the book, and he is a man. And they have cast, they've gender bent that role and cast a black actress to play the part. And I have never been so excited by a cast photo in my life. (laughs) They've got a shot of her, like, standing in the desert in her still suit, looking off to the side. And I'm just like, I'm sold. Like, it's so powerful. I'm so curious to see how they play with that character's arc. 
I just and like it also I mean I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it also explains some other things about casting that I had been wondering about. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. So I'm I'm now more interested than afraid at this point, which is good. Um oh, I don't think it's actually clear when we will get to see this, but if you need to look at some photos to get maybe a little bit excited, there's also photos of Jason Momoa and Oscar Isaac which are not hard to look at, I will say. <laughs> um, and some more information about how the director Denis Villeneuve is uh approaching the material so yeah that's that's my story about dune i am a lot less informed about dune than you are because i have not read the book and i watched the um what was it uh the 80s with sting yes (laughs) so bad (laughs) the worst i saw that when i was like young and i remember being like what on earth is even happening in this movie, and I, after that, I was just completely intimidated by yeah. the possibility of having to read this book. And even in this article, <laughs> they call it, they describe it as, um, they describe the actual book as being maybe impenetrable to some people. I, I will say, I think that's an exaggeration. Like, if you're like a Game of Thrones reader, you're going to be fine. There's less characters. The politics are like, you know, not any more impenetrable than those. Yeah. Like, I I was a little bit like, all right, calm down. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not Thomas Pynchon. Like, it is, <laughs> it's classic sci-fi. It is, I believe it's totally penetrable. I mean, it's, it is complex, but it's not, I don't think you need like a master degree to read that nonsense come on now yeah i i can imagine that they're like overdoing it um (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that messaging is has probably not been helpful to a lot of people come on now (laughs) but i i agree like i even being somebody who hasn't read the books like you can tell just from like a conceptual standpoint that this is definitely a story that would probably not fit into a reasonable time frame mm-hmm. unless you had like a movie intermission or something <laughs> and just decided to make it a full however many hours. But I also agree that it was smart to break it up. And I'm also really interested in seeing some of the ways, uh, like, of course, I love anything that involves creatures of any sort and mm. like the way they describe um baron the... vladimir oh harkonnen yeah well, he's he's a human uh for the yeah why did they they said they created him with full body prosthetics yeah he's oh okay a, he's a very obese character in the in the book Oh, okay. They made it sound like he was going to be some sort of... (laughs) It's very misleading, and there is a lot of fat shaming in the book, and I hope that they find a way to, like... Oh, yeah. Maybe not... I mean, he's... It's also hard because he's a bad guy, and so there's compounding factors going on there, but... Yeah. That makes a lot of sense then. Now I'm like, maybe I don't want to see this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it for you first and then I'll let you know. It's okay. I, there there will be monsters though, because there are these giant sandworms yes. that are a pivotal part of the plot. But I am I'm 
I feel very sure that those will be like 100% CGI. It would be cool if they did some puppet work, but I'm doubtful. I know. Nobody does that anymore. I know. That's like the sad, that's the bane of my existence. But whatever, (laughs) technology, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. Well, I'm really excited to see how you how you respond to this movie when it comes out because I'm sure you're going to have a ton of opinions. Uh, yeah, you I will surely wait. hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want since we're talking about rewar- uh, awards in this episode a bunch anyway, the big Hugo Award finalists list was announced. Um, This is the time for all of the lists to come out. So there's the full list we actually posted on Book Riot and the for best novel, The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders, a favorite, got on the list. Gideon the Ninth by Tamsin Muir is on the list, another favorite. The Light Brigade, uh, Cameron Hurley, I have not read yet still. There's a memory called Empire and Middle Game, The 10,000 Doors of January. So lots of the books that you've been hearing about um, made the list. And there's also the novella category and the best series. In novella, of course, there's Ted Chang, River Solomon, getting on all the lists this year. Mm-hmm. P. Jelly Clark's on the list. Another one by Sean and McGuire. Um, so this is a really I I am pretty happy with what's going on here. I haven't really taken a lot of time to think about it because I'm so overwhelmed by all of these awards yeah. right now. <laughs> but um, Charlie Jane Anders and Tamsin Muir—they are all favorites of mine as well. Um, I do wish there was more, (sighs) I wish there was a little bit more inclusivity on the list, but. I, yeah, the, the best novel category is all white and it's, it's, it feels nitpicky because these are great books, you know, it's a really good list, but I, there are other great books that could have been on that top slate and it, it does make me sad to see that, you know, we've got women and we've got transgender folks in there but we don't have any folks of color and that's that's that is a bummer yeah especially i think we were even talking about this before um like especially with where we are now with how many great books are coming out it just seems like a really big oversight that in the best novel category there would not be any authors of color yeah, and I mean, the Hugos are the ones that are voted on by any person who wants to have a membership. Yeah. The Nebulas are the ones that are chosen by uh, by folks in the, in the industry. So, right. you know, it's a little bit down to popular votes. Uh, so, you know, that, I mean... It happens. It happens. It we, we One step forward, two steps back, you know, we'll get there. But, uh... Yeah, but it yeah, it's it is. But I mean, it does feel it's hard because it is such a good list. But it's also like it could it could have been it could have been better. Yeah, the novella category is kind of more promising on that level. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a it's a huge difference. (laughs) It really is. It really is. And even the series category, uh, Tade Thompson is in there. So that's nice. So it's just yeah, it's it's a mixed bag, I think is what it is. It's a mixed bag. Yeah. Well, you can definitely check out the full list and see what you think about it. Make up your own mind. Um, 
And definitely this is one for voting in the next round so that we can make sure we see some inclusivity there in the best novel category. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, we've got time for one more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just a real quick note, because we were talking about puppetry versus CGI, <laughs> there is, this is just cool. I'm going to do it later this weekend. Um, there is a an exhibit, a special exhibit for Dark Crystal and the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance at the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta, Georgia, which, of course, nobody can see right now because everything is closed because of COVID-19. And so they've put a virtual tour up online, which seems like a great idea to me. And I'm super excited to check it out um, because I actually only just watched The Dark Crystal for the first time in the past year. I know, it's shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> I didn't see it when I was a kid. Oh, and wow. Then, I know. Nobody ever showed it to me. I just kind of missed it somehow. And then, uh, and I've seen one episode of the new series. So, and I plan to watch more of it. I just keep forgetting. There's too many things. So, um, if you are a fan of puppetry, uh, you should definitely check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes. Very exciting. And then I think you're as excited about this as I am, AMC has greenlit an animated series based on Kenton Liu's short fiction, mm -hmm. which, you know, we are in a weird place right now for development of, you know, anything that requires people to be in the same room together. So probably this will be a while in coming. But as per this write-up from Tor.com, uh, AMC has given a two-season order for this animated series, which is another anthology series based on Ken Liu's short stories, specifically about uploaded intelligence, which is interesting. And yeah, I... I mean, you know, they they started developing the series back in 2018 with a writer's room. So it'll probably be another couple of years before we see any real developments that we can actually watch. But I love Ken Liu's work. And I think the anthology series format is so interesting. Yes. And this is one. Yeah, this is one that I will definitely try to watch when it is available. Yeah, I love these types of like anthology animated series and we see them like here and there even mm -hmm. like as far back as you know i guess it was the early 2000s i can't remember when like animatrix was out or something oh but I, don't remember. I forgot about animatrix yeah i can't i think i must have just recently watched it again that i would <gasps> even recall that because it was so like here and gone yeah and then there wasn't that much more um experimentation with that but I just love the concept of like animated especially science there's something about science fiction that is just like perfect for this mm -hmm. for <clears throat> for grown people you know like I yeah. love animation for kids too but also for grown people so I was really excited because I didn't when I originally saw this piece I didn't realize it was for a specifically animated series so Mm -hmm. I will totally watch it, too, so we can talk about it together. Yes. <clears throat> when it comes out someday. Well, yeah, when it comes out someday. Someday we'll have it. <laughs> 
All right, let's see. Let's do another sponsor and then get into our dream collaborations. Our next sponsor is The Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth, whose name you know you might have heard before, (laughs) author of Divergent, among other things. And this is about five characters. And 15 years ago, they were teenagers singled out by a prophecy to take down an impossibly powerful entity wreaking havoc across North America. The Dark One leveled cities and claimed thousands of lives. And the Chosen Ones, as the teens were known, gave everything they had to defeat him. And now it's the 10th anniversary of the Dark One's defeat. And the Chosen Ones, who are now adults, discover that the Dark One's ultimate goal was much bigger than they could have known, bigger than the world itself. Dun, dun, <laughs> but saving the world the first time was hard enough for Sloane Andrews and her fellow chosen ones. And this time, fighting back might take more than Sloane has to give. So this is a cool concept. At what happens to the heroes like 10 years after they have saved the world? I've seen other books that follow like a little bit closer into the aftermath. But I don't know that I've seen one that does, you know, teen heroes in their 20s now trying to figure out how to exist in the world and then also maybe save it again. So that's fun. Uh, Definitely sounds like some good escapist, enjoyable fantasy fiction, which I think a lot of us could use right now. Mm -hmm. So again, that is The Chosen Ones by Veronica Roth. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yes, Collaborations. (laughs) I I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, we're so hip, Sharifa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, Lord. So I was, it's so funny. I'm not taking back any of my collaborations, but as I was prepping for the show, I was like, maybe I did this wrong. Because what I did was think about authors who are kind of in the same or similar wheelhouses and like how cool it would be if they teamed up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it occurs to me now that it was kind of a failure of imagination not to be like, what about these two wildly different authors? Like, what kind of strange novel baby would they make? Um, So maybe that'll have to be a different show. But but I did kind of pick and choose from similar wheelhouses and then, you know, figured that these authors would create like an uber example together of the kind of fiction that they're writing So my first pick is Cameron Hurley and Nikki Drayden. And I'm thinking specifically of The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley and Escaping Exodus by Nikki Drayden. These two write, like, such complicated, queer, and creepy sci-fi. Like, it's just all, like, body horror and torture and weird situations. (laughs) And they're not afraid to, like, really get sort of ugly, I guess, is the word I want, with their characters or with the situations. But it's also so compelling. Like, you're sucked in to these worlds that they've built and you're just like what is going on like I need to know I need to know all of this I need to read more of this like this is just so intense and so strange and so fascinating 
And the Light Brigade, if you're not familiar, actually, which was on one of those uh, awards lists, right? Yeah. Um, is about a, like, it's kind of like, imagine, uh, like, almost like a Vietnam-era war novel, except it takes place in a future where Mars and Earth are locked in a war. And they transport soldiers by, like, it's basically, like, kind of like Star Trek. Like, they break them down into, like, packets of light and then beam them to Mars And some soldiers experience this transfer and fall out of sync with their fellow soldiers, and they don't know if they're hallucinating or what they're experiencing is real. It's all very complicated. And like I said, super dark. I mean, it's a war novel. Like, there's, like, you know, children getting shot between, you know, friendly fire and, like, people getting blown up and tortured. And it's really dark. But it's also really fascinating. And it's really unexpected in so many ways. And the world building is just so, like, yeah, what does that future look like? And then Escaping Exodus by Nikki Drayden is so strange like it's these it's humans who have had to leave earth and live on generation ships except their generation ships are these giant space like whales kind of and so they live on the insides of these giant space creatures and like work on like you know the heart or like the guts or whatever and society is stratified in and lots of very complicated ways um, and it's just so bizarre. You're just like, where did you get this idea from? And then it gets real body horror at a certain point. Oh, my goodness. You're just like, ooh, I'm so grossed out right now. Um, and so, yeah, so I feel like the two of them, if you put them in a room together and, like, let their brains go wild, like, what strange beast would result? Like, I'm a little bit afraid, but also I want to read it. Like, that's 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 my rationale for the pairing up of those two. <laughs> that is amazing. Like, it's... <laughs> Like your best, your your dream and your nightmare at once. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's exactly right. Like it would be rough, but I really want it anyway. <laughs> I totally, by the way, ran to this doc, our planning doc, like, of course, like three days ago, <laughs> intent on putting Nikki Drayden on this list. And I was like, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I beat you. You beat me. I'm just glad she got on there because I think anything with Nikki Drayden is going to be a wild ride and I yes. need more of those. Yeah. Well, for my pick, I think I sort of ran on the same assumption as you or did the same thing. Maybe also had a similar, uh, I was not necessarily thinking of two complete wild cards coming together, but I did decide to go a little bit oddball with my science fiction pick. So I chose... Marie Lu and Sina Takeda, and I think that that's kind of a bit yeah. rogue. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I chose a writer I love and an illustrator I love, and both work in the realm of science fiction. So there's that. There's that wheelhouse they share. And I've talked about uh, both of them, both Marie Lu, who is an author in Sinatikidia, who's the the illustrator. And Marie Lu wrote the War Cross series. And I love that book. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how cinematic the story was. 
So in my mind, it was like kind of being in high school again, watching anime, like we were just talking about like animated series and my start in, in getting obsessed with those was just from anime and these long running epic series. Um, but I could see the setting and I could see the characters realized in Warcross, uh, which is this book about a young woman who gets caught up in this sort of cyber intrigue when she finds her way into this mega futuristic virtual game competition that really immerses the competitors in the world of the game and in the fight and it gets, you know, really violent and hyper competitive, but it's all televised. So it feels very familiar in some ways. Like if you watch a lot of anime or if you watch a lot of um, science fiction type movies and it kind of has a bit of that bit punk feel as well. So there was a lot of action and these virtual worlds are so epic and the characters all have really interesting quirks and traits as well that set them apart. And I thought Emika Chan, who's the main character, the protagonist of Warcross, just sounded like a really cool looking character as well. Mm -hmm. So I think Marie Lu has the imagination for a really stunningly visual story and for being able to translate that to an illustrator. And then you've got Sana Takeda who illustrated the monstrous comics, which are written by Marjorie M. Liu. And when I talked about Monstrous in a past episode, I was saying, and I still believe this, and I still can't believe I haven't gotten my copy, uh, my hands on a physical copy, but I was saying I regretted reading it on my phone, yeah. which is a weird way to read comics anyway, because I really wanted to frame those pages. They were just so gorgeous and so detailed, and they had such a specific style and aesthetic so Monstrous, if you haven't read it, is the steampunk sort of art deco stylized comic about this young woman who has a traumatic past and a psychic link with this monster. And it's set in alternate 1900s Asia. And every page is just a work of art. There are also fantasy elements. There are cute animal characters. And there are some really action-packed scenes again. There's a lot of violence in this book, by the way. Um, so Warcross is set in Tokyo and Sana Takeda is a Japanese illustrator who lives in Tokyo. And I got so amped just imagining this sort of future, futuristic cyberpunk comic set in Tokyo where everybody has like these outrageous outfits and there's this really cool subversive woman as the protagonist. And of course, maybe there's some animal companions because I love throwing in animal companions and even some magic because we can make the science fantasy if we want, because this is a dream casting. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I just really love the idea of both of these worlds coming together. And I actually really enjoy cyberpunk as a genre and also as an aesthetic. And I just want more and different creators to be able to follow in that genre. So I am basically nominating Lou and Takeda, who are just so talented. I would love for them to be the people I follow in that genre. So yeah, I've been talking about Marie Lou, who's the author of Warcross, and Sana Takeda, who's the illustrator of Monstrous. Please do this. <laughs> 
I'm like angry now that this doesn't already exist. Like this is yeah. such a good idea. It's Thank such a good you. pairing. I it, like it needs to happen. It does. I, I need it. Listening. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? We're like, we'll tweet desperately at them or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll create a Twitter account just for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh Lord. Uh that's amazing. I love it. Um okay, so my fantasy pair up is TJ Clune, author of House on the Cerulean Sea, and CL Polk, who is the author of the Kingston Cycle, which is Witchmark and then Storm Song. And some of y'all might remember that House on the Cerulean Sea was on, I think, my most anticipated list for this year because the plot sounded great and Clune is much beloved of several other Book Riot contributors. And I just started reading him this year and I am also now in love with his stuff. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. And while he writes a lot of romance, which are amazing for the record, uh, House on the Cerulean Sea is a fantasy set in this sort of alternative contemporary world where there is a very sort of humdrum, mousy, 40-year-old social worker, as it is, or he's a caseworker um, for the department in charge of magical youth. Because in this world, if you have magic, you are like registered and managed by this government entity. And they are treated like second-class citizens, and they're separated from the general population, quote-unquote, for their own protection. And, like, you know, vanilla citizens are encouraged to, like, turn somebody in if they see them using magic, like, all of this stuff. Um, And Linus, who is this caseworker, he really does care about the children who he works with. And he's doing his job the best he can, but the system that he's part of is just kind of garbage from start to finish and so he keeps his head down and he's like not rebellious at all he just like wants to do his job and get paid and then go home and he thinks that's it but then he gets assigned to this very strange orphanage in the middle of nowhere in the ocean on an island and there are some very special quote-unquote very dangerous children there and it is run by this very eccentric man and our whose name is Arthur Parnassus which like Parnassus is totally like a lit reference and made me so happy (laughs) and it's so sweet it's so funny because you're getting everything from Linus's perspective and he's just like ho-hum like he doesn't even know how funny he is being and watching how other people respond to him through his eyes you're just like dying at like everybody's like one of the little children in this orphanage is a gnome who keeps threatening to like kill him with her shovel and bury him in her garden to fertilize her plants (laughs) it's just amazing it's so sweet and quirky and fun but also has like a real heart to it and you know there's some really serious stuff like some of these children have been abused um in the orphanages and you know some of them come from very difficult backgrounds or are experiencing prejudice on the regular when they do go out into society so like it's really sweet and funny and heartwarming but there's you know sort of heavy stuff on the underneath that informs the plot and it's balanced really well and i paired him with cl polk because i feel like the kingston cycle does that really well, also, like Witchmark and Stormsong are about a corrupt society in which magic users 
are, you know, if you're a lower class magic user, you are sent to an asylum and, you know, designated insane. Whereas if you're an upper class, nobody knows, it's kept under secrets, and you basically run the world. And the characters are trying to dismantle this terrible system that they're caught up in. But they're also like, there's really beautiful queer love stories, and there's fairies, and there's bicycles, and there's just like, it is so heartwarming. And I think that that balance of like feeling, reading a book that has heavy again, like undercurrents to it or things that inform the plot line, but that it doesn't drag you down. It just makes you feel like, oh, it's so sweet and heartwarming. And I feel like better about the world after I finished reading this and not like you've just been through the ringer. Like that's a really hard thing to do. It's a hard needle to thread without dismissing the heaviness of the problems. And both of these authors do that so well. And C.L. Polk so far is writing in this like Edwardian kind of era, whereas T.J. Klune only writes contemporary, as far as I'm aware. And so I'm really curious to see like what time frame would they inhabit if they work together? Like what world would they invent? Like, oh, I'm so curious what it would look like. And, you know, what kind of magic system would they do? Because they both have very different approaches to that. And what would it look like if they came together and had to design one? And I also just think it would be like the sweetest, most heartwarming book in the world. (laughs) And I could always use more of those. So, again, I have paired up T.J. Klune, author of House on the Cerulean Sea, and C.L. Polk, author of The Kingston Cycle. I totally agree. This is the book we need right now. Right, like right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday. Write this book yesterday so I can have it today. (laughs) Well, for my fantasy pick, I went with two of my absolute faves after I got over my complete blank out of my brain staring (laughs) at my shelves. I chose Helen Oyeyemi and Victor Laval. So first of all, I should say that I get the sense this is completely made up that Helen Oyeyemi is like a loner, like mm. a sort of I work better alone. I'd rather be wandering the streets of Prague solo type of person. <laughs> I could also just be placing that on her because I want it to be a relatable situation. But <laughs> if she did do a collab one day, this is the one I would be looking for. So I think if you've ever heard me talking, you probably know I'm an Oyayemi stan. I will read anything she writes. And most recently, she wrote Gingerbread, which is this fairy tale type book set one part in London and one part in this other world, uh, this magical world called Truhastrana. And so the book centers around this family, a mother and daughter specifically, Harriet and Perdita. And Perdita is in, sort of investigating her mother's history and discovers that she came from this magical place and that she had this friend named Gretel. And the book takes us on this really surreal journey through Harriet's history growing up in Druhistrana and meeting Gretel and kind of trying to forge a path of her own. And it was just a, such a strange, in parts, really eerie and uncanny story, obviously from fairy tale with the gingerbread Harriet's known for, and then this Gretel character, and some other sort of uh, moments in the book, and just the whole thing in general. And of course, this isn't her only fairy tale inspired book, because you've also got Boy Snowbird based on Snow White. And then you have Victor Laval, who's, you know, Mr. Terror himself, who's written The Ballad of Black Tom and The Changeling. And, you know, changelings are creatures of fairy tale and folk tale. They're replacement children swapped out with real human children. 
And the book centers around this family as well. It's set in a city slash magical realm as well. The city here being New York. And he's, I think, great at just creating atmosphere and real fear and eeriness. And similar to Oyayemi, he has this sort of versatility to his writing. He wrote a comic, again, about a family, this time mother and yeah. son. And they both use the fantastic to confront big topics like racism and xenophobia. And for instance, Helen Oyayemi's White is for Witching is super creepy to me personally, but in a really different way uh, compared to how Victor Lavelle writes horror and I just can't imagine the psychological nightmare that would be brought about by an Oyayemi and Laval collaboration so this is I guess my version of my dream my nightmare yeah <laughs> but I'm here for it and so I want to see like this sort of psychological nightmare wrapped in a fairy tale which is kind of my favorite thing in the world. And I think that the stakes get so high when you're talking about families, which fairy tales are often in some ways about, and which they're both obviously inspired by. And I just think you'd be left thinking a lot of deep thoughts because there, of course, there would have to be some un underlying metaphor, some deeper meaning and some really timely issue. Uh, coming across here it would maybe be even fable like so I think it would be really cool to get them together for this eerie fairy tale and I would definitely read that book so again I've been talking about Helen Oyayemi author of Gingerbread most recently and Victor Laval author of The Changeling that is a genius pairing thank you I think that we did a really great job yeah <laughs> I don't say so myself I mean, I want everything we talked about, obviously. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I just, I don't know why I would not have thought of Oyeyemi and Lavelle, but as soon as I saw it in the agenda, I was like, oh, of course. Like, obviously, that this would be so interesting. I think I would have a hard time with that book, but I would do it. I would do it <laughs> because they are two of my exceptions to that. I really don't read that much horror rule. Like... The Changeling wrecked me, but it was worth it. And, you know, same for Boy Snow Bird. Uh, it's just they're both so good at what they do. It's just so creepy, but also so compelling. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting. I love this. It was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. We'll do it again sometime, maybe. Maybe we'll do our, like, wild card matchups. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. If you have pair-ups that you want to see, we definitely want to hear them. And if you have other show ideas, we're happy to hear those, too. You can email us. It's sffyeah at bookriot.com. And if you would like to review us on Apple Podcasts, we super appreciate that. It helps other people to find the show, and it helps us know how we're doing. And you can find us in between shows online. Sharifa, where are you? I am on Instagram at Sina Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. I am also on Instagram at I am Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And I'm on Twitter as Jen IRL, where I will be like trying not to super creepily tweet at these authors and <laughs> beg them to do collaboration. <laughs> Good luck. I know. We'll see how it goes. If we have any, you know, updates, I'll let everyone know. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.